And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we will dive deep into that mailbag and answer all your pertinent playoff questions. Net Sixers first round playoff wow. basketball. Wow. Let's get right into the show. Let's get in there, Mike. Let's get in. Let's go. Let's get into the show. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brad. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys. That's the LA.com. The Athletic Edge. Stop by the Baywall. The Athletic.com slash GlueGuys. The subsidiary of the New York Times. Right. Michael, it's playoff time. Let's get into it. No, no. Don't. Wait. <laughs> wow. He's a menace. A menace on the soundboard. Mike, it's been too long. We're excited to see each other. We haven't potted in much too long. I know. There's uh, just something interesting going on with the team. Like, let's call it what it is. Like, you're just like, do we do we pod now? And then it's, I, we, no, we, no. the most interesting thing is that the Cam Thomas game with the the last game of the season when yeah. the Nets played Cam Thomas and uh, he got another 40 point performance Huge. in a loss, uh, and Jock Vaughn absolutely buried him uh, after the game and said, uh, "Can you do that when we're actually winning games?" <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, Jacques, Jacques really doesn't pull any punches um, in I these interviews. It. Yeah, I absolutely part, love it. Part of the and, brand. Uh, I'm I'm on Team Jock. Uh, let Let's do this. This is an official mailbag podcast brought to you by Hyundai. We got the Hyundai. Hyundai. Get your Get your cars get at a Hyundai. Your, get your Hyundai's here. Um, uh, let's go. First up, let's dive right into it. First up, that's Cheer Boy Javier. Pagan. I wonder if the volume's enough, but I also turn any. We'll figure it out. Um, okay. Javier, thanks for writing, says, uh, what would be considered a realistic, successful playoffs for this Brooklyn Nets team? Realistic plus successful, Mike. We got the realistic. realism and the successful. <laughs> Are these, can they, can those two things coexist? Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, we can. Winning two games against the 76ers would be a success. Okay. A six-game series. A six-game series where, to, to remember last year, the Nets got swept. Yeah. And it would be nice to say the Nets actually win a playoff game. I mean, we only need the one, really, for that, that storyline yes. <laughs> to, to be true. I mean, yeah, you're just you're getting greedy, Mike, is what's happening with the second one. I, I, I mean, if they, if, if they made the 76ers sweat, because, again, uh, People don't know this, but I recorded a podcast with Alex Schiffer that will come out on Friday that is very previewy, bro heavy. Um, okay. And if, you know, the feeling is like the 76ers are a tough team. They are, they are a monster. They have Joel Embiid and James Harden. They're tough. But if the Nets could just 
you know, yeah. let's get some dubs. Let's get the good vibes. Let's keep the good vibes rolling. Yeah. Getting two wins in the playoffs is pretty good vibes. Yeah. I mean, that's realistic. Other right? side of it is, and this is true of anybody, but um, possibly somewhat realistic is getting just absolutely BTFO'd in every single game and being <laughs> swept. So that's what we're hoping to not see. Um, and just keeping it close, you know, on a game to game basis would be, would be fun. I would, I would like it to be a fun competitive series in which there's at least the specter of a wind that, that floats around each and every game. Yeah. I don't, I don't want the BTFO. Like I want it to be close. So I want it to feel like playoff basketball. Cause there's always that series in the first round, a series or two that doesn't feel close. That doesn't feel like playoff basketball. I want this to feel like playoff basketball. Um, I remember back the Jared Dudley, Ben Simmons rivalry of yesteryear Mm -hmm. when Ben Simmons played basketball and Jared Dudley played basketball. That was a fun series, even though that it ultimately wasn't very close. Give me some fun. Give me some enjoyment. Give me some glimmers of hope for the future. Uh, I will ask you this. If the Nets are down three on a series, should they start Cam Thomas and just say, Cam, Break a playoff scoring record. It doesn't matter if we're going to win or not. Just just unleash the hounds yeah. of Cam Tom. Because I actually don't think he's going to play. No, I don't think so. Uh, <clears throat> narrowly at all. But we can narrowly get into that because I've got a perfect question for that, T-Dub. Um, well, but, but before we do, I mean, it, it is fun and also not fun at the same time. That We've often talked about how um, you know we've had a lot of expectations for the team. And... In this case, we really have zero expectations. Like, there's just, you know, I, I think nobody would be surprised by a sweep. I think, you know, a gentleman's sweep is, is the safe bet. Um, that's that's four and one um, in a five-game series. And then, you know, if, if everything cracks out, six. But also, like... You know, can we can we can we make it? Can we make it a real series all the way through? Um, it, it's just fun to think that like there's no expectations. It also sucks that there's no expectations. Like it is kind of a throwaway series. It's sort of how I feel about it. Um, but there's kind of a paradox in that. Which can we really ever like truly give up hope? I'm sure there's somewhere back in your mind, Mike, where it's like, what if? What if we we get sneaky and something crazy happens? We catch lightning in a bottle. Like, what is your lightning in a bottle percentage at? Ten. 10 percent is pretty high for lightning in a bottle because here's the thing and this is like again previewy which is part of the show the nets have distinct advantages L- let me say this actually just lightning in a bottle is winning the series that's that's, that's yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay yeah the nets have distinct advantages and w- one of them is the fact and alex schiffer actually talks about this so i won't steal his point i will credit him completely the nets have no pressure because the team was slapped together. The 76ers have all the pressure in the series. And if the Nets pick off a win early, it would increase the pressure on the 76ers. The Nets' wing talent is vastly superior. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Claxton is good. Now, he has nothing behind him. You know, Dayron's going to have to play Joel Embiid the series. Yeah, That's not a recipe for success. But Nick Claxton is good. Dorian Finney-Smith can, can converge on top of Joel Embiid, muck it up for him. There are things the Nets can do. Uh, the 76ers are bad as a tr- transition defensive team. They are bad with backcourt defense with Maxi and Harden. Spencer Dinwiddie could have a very nice series. Yeah. There are elements to where you could begin to piece the puzzle together. Easy buckets on transition. Dinwiddie not feeling any pressure being able to operate however he wants to bridges being a revenge 
because the 76ers drafted Mikael mm, Bridges true. and then traded him away. Suckers. Uh, re- Revenge Bridges. Um, uh, a bridge over the river McHale, if you will. Nice. And, and nice. you know, just the, the pressure-packed Philly fans. The, the Philly fans are not above of booing their own team in the yeah. first round. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Some 10% landing in a bottle. We love it. Next up. Cheer boy. That's Corey Cantor. I went, I went deep on Corey. Dear glue guys, says Corey. Um, Firstly, good to have you back. Great to be back. Um, I've been waiting for your joyous voices to fill my pod feed. Oh, that's sweet. Um, but alas, it has been silent. Hey, okay, we're trying out here. Um, says I've got one main question, but then some backups, assuming this one will be popular. I'm wondering what you think the playoff rotation will be, who will get the minutes, and will JV tighten it up? Am I really going to have to watch Seth Curry try to light up his father-in-law and get torched on defense? Uh, there's some follow-ups, but we can address that one first. Damn. Damn. Um question for you brian how would you treat your father-in-law in a in a playoff series father-in-law um father-in-law of mine tell me where have you been <laughs> he's really sweet I, I really like him he, he built me <laughs> he built me this computer so uh he's like a engineering mind kind of guy he's very <laughs> very <laughs> so, he built it, computer. so it'd be very um it'd be really lame to, to just to to shit on him so i yeah i'd be in a tight spot i'd be in a tight spot um, um, yeah, a real, a real tidy, um, a tidy whitey, as they say, uh, the, so I think Jock Vaughn, I was trying to find the quote recently, but he mentioned something about, you know, the, I, there's the common idea that in a playoff system, you tighten your rotation where he, Jock Vaughn, I think made mention of the fact that we're going to have to play some guys who maybe haven't played a ton because of this series. And I think that's a reference to the Joel Embiid factor. Um, you know, the Nets are going to have to foul Embiid, muck it up, make it feel uncomfortable. And Nick Claxton can't be that guy. We had to protect Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton getting two early fouls mm. means the game's over. Yeah. Essentially. And that's so, like 1000% their game plan too. That is like going to be their thing. Yeah. The minute the, I mean, Embiid of course is the hub of their offense. And they know the Nets' biggest weakness is like if <laughs> if Nick Claxton fouls out or is heavy foul trouble, we're gonna get what twenty minutes of Daron Sharp. I think the counteract that the Nets are gonna go small mm. and have Dorian Finney-Smith at at the five, well, and just and wow. and be be ultra switchable, ultra shooting, having you know it will be Spencer Royce, Mikhail Cam. And Dorian Finney-Smith, that's actually still pretty good defensively everywhere else except for center. Yeah. Um, as opposed to putting Dayron out there a bunch because Dayron is so limited. I mean, love the guy, a sweetheart of a man, but just completely limited. And this, he's not ready for playoff basketball. No. So I think you're gonna see Seth Curry. You're see because Seth is kind of clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, they need flame throwing, three point shooting. Yeah. Um. You'll see a lot of, of course, you don't see, you'll see Joe. You'll see the normal lineup. I think the sneaky thing is who gets more minutes, Dayron or Dayron at the five or someone like Dorian Finney-Smith playing five. Yeah. Like, I mean, wh- is it is it basically wh- go- <clears throat> ball denial plus instant double teams like every time Embiid touches the ball for the first 
couple games? Is that ostensibly what we're looking at? Well, what do you think? Do you think? I mean, yeah, it has to be. There's no way we would just want like Embiid working on the post. And I mean, love Claxton, but that is if there's one attack vector, it's just going to be like a larger center bullying him. He's getting bigger, but it's just not enough time. You know who's on the Nets bench? Tiago Splitter. Mm. Can we get Tiago a jersey? Big, big shout out for Tiago. Can we get Tiago a, a, a quick jersey to? Because like Dayron's going to play some minutes, and he's basically just going to be in there to foul mm-hmm. and just to be burly and annoying. Yeah. And I love that. Hey, I love a burly, annoying big man. Yeah. Uh, but that is not a recipe for success. I do think the way you have to counteract the size of Embiid is to put him in situations where like he is running around kind of guarding Dorian Finney-Smith or another three-point shooter. Yeah. Embiid's not going to run around. They're, they're going to constantly switch, and Embiid's going to guard the hoop in the way that Brooke Lopez kind of does for the Bucks. But it's still putting him in positions where maybe he's kind of uncomfortable, and maybe you're tiring him out a little bit on defense, as opposed to... If he's guarding Nick Claxton, that's pretty easy for Embiid, yeah. frankly. Can I, can I engage in something that's a little bit dark arts with you? Please. Joel Embiid, and I hate to do this because I don't want to, you know, this is this is dark arts, it's voodoo. But um, Joel, <laughs> jo- Joel Embiid has had a history of injuries. Um, you know, dark, <laughs> dark, dark arts, I know. But let's say, <laughs> let's say that something terrible befalls Joel Embiid over the course of the series. Where does that put your lightning in a bottle odds, you know, in a world in which we're playing an embeedless Sixers? Let's just say and I, 40%, and I would, yeah, 40%, 40%, it really does 50% maybe yeah. because he, because then everything's on Harden and yeah. those are some brittle, brittle shoulders yes. that James Harden has. There's already rumors that he wants to go to Houston. Um, he has this Achilles injury where it's, you know, Brian. If you were just say who's the foremost expert on Achilles injuries, who has not had a medical degree, yeah. and who has not had an Achilles injury, who would that be in the world? Did you actually ever publish your your research, your findings? Yeah, I think I did one. Yeah, episode about the Achilles <laughs> just a, injury. Just where, a solo show. Of, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was solo. Yeah, where I played some clips and I really analyzed the whole point. If people don't remember, I was going to do a three part series <laughs> on Achilles injuries. Uh, uh, where I I literally talked to a Greek classics professor <laughs> about the origin story of Achilles and what <laughs> the Achilles what? myth has meant what? to man over time. Uh, it was really high minded shit. So crazy that like everything else with the show, I promise don't deliver. Uh, yes, uh, Harden has an Achilles sprain, uh, and our guy Doctor Patel could tell you. Uh, that means slight tearing. There's microscopic tearing. Mm. Achilles, an Achilles having any of that tearing, that is the ramp up to potentially an Achilles tear. I don't want that for James Harden, but I'm just saying that is a factor in the series. Playoff basketball is hard. It is stressful. Uh, pressure packed. Uh, I woke up last night because uh, my dog was barking incessantly, mm-hmm. and uh, – my Achilles was hurting, and I was fearful of my own Achilles, Achilles tearing. Just turns out I'm a little overweight and just didn't stretch very well. Had me fooled. Uh, I don't see it, Mike. I'm not seeing what you're talking about. <laughs> Anyways, there's lightning in the bottle. There's, lightning can be accumulated can in I, a bottle. Can I further go into the dark hurts? So um, in a world in which Embiid stays healthy and Harden succumbs to his 
Achilles issues or whatever, where does that adjust your, does that put it us at 20% lightning in a bottle? Wait, and beads healthy, but hard and hurts. Right. We're, we're, we're doing the opposite. Wow, I'm really tabulating. Yeah. 20% feels. Cause, feels cause Embiid is really right. the, he, it's yeah. the crux of the issue is, is Embiid. But the thing about it, like any, so the Sixers are pretty uh, light, mm-hmm. you know, they do have some good bench pieces, but you know, like with the Nets, if they had injury, Bridges is the best, basically the only guy who matters, Bridges and Claxton. Um, where, you know, if you're, if let's say Harden's hurt, then who's playing? Is it like DeAnthony Melton is starting or Shake Milton? Mm-hmm. Melton, Milton, I don't know. Uh, it, they are, they get real light real fast because they're such a, the way they are built. Yeah. There's that funnel at the top and then it goes, whoop, hourglass figure. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, 20%. No, right. I go 30%. 30%. Okay. All right. And do you know how they they are now experimenting of how to uh, to divert lightning from buildings? You know, traditionally it's a lightning rod. Yeah. Right? Now they're experimenting in Europe with shooting lasers into the sky to distract lightning. Oh, okay. Um, which seems terrifying why? We have global warming, oh. and we're going to shoot lasers into the sky. Seems S- like... N- Space lasers, Mike? I think, I think you might know a thing or two about. Anyways, next up... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's one of my favorite jokes you've ever done. Okay. Next up, cheer boy, we got Jack McCann. I just love the idea. I have a space laser because I'm Jewish. Like yeah. that, if you could have told a 13-year-old Star Wars-loving... <laughs> Hey, Mike Smeltz, yeah. that I had a space laser because I wore a kippah, I would that would have thrilled <laughs> me to no end. It's locked in. Um, and I do, I do. Jack Mark says, Taylor Green. "Hey guys, first time, long time, and oh. I appreciate all the work you do. Thanks, Jack. Um, right back. This kind of dovetails from the previous question, but." Specifically, my question is about Nick Claxton's matchup with Joel Embiid. We all know that Clax has an incredible defensive season, but bruising and highly skilled centers like Embiid have given him trouble in the post as his body continues to fill out. With that in mind, what does defensive success look like for Claxton in this series? Obviously, Embiid will get his and have his moments, but what do you think is a reasonable expectation that we as fans can have and walk away saying, Clax played him well? Did all I could. Thanks and keep potting. Thanks, Jack. Um, I have an answer for this, and it's pretty low-hanging fruit for me, um, just because it is a pretty insurmountable task here. It's it's a bit it's a bit of a, a tough spot. It's a lot of pressure to put on young Nick. But my like barometer for success is um, Embiid plays very well in clutch minutes. I just hope that we can get to the point where Claxton is in the game long enough to be guarding Embiid in the in the clutch minutes of the game of closing games. That's that's really it's a very that's I think what like success looks like. I'm not even looking at the stats because they're going to be huge no matter what and just that's immaterial. Um but just that like Claxton didn't foul get into foul trouble early and he made it to the end of the game where he could ostensibly guard <laughs> Embiid. <laughs> that's that's very just surviving. Yeah, just surviving. Really. I do think that it's D is going to be, it'll be Claxton on him primarily, of course. It, there'll be quick doubles. There'll be delayed doubles. There'll be zone defense. You know, I, I do think that this <laughs> this team, Jacques, Jacques has shown an ability to be a little bit more variable in the way that we play as opposed to Steve Nash. Uh, shots at Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. Clax surviving, yes. It, it not being um, Mission Impossible music, terrifying like 
really more exorcist music, John Carpenter style, uh, fear constantly from the tip that it begins razor edge. No, we, we need to be elongated. Sure. And bead's going to get his, uh, but it feels like, and Claxton has actually done that. I re- there's games this year where Claxton has, has battled Embiid and it hasn't been horrific. The, the, the referees are going to be huge in the series. The, mm. the Sixers are the team that shoot the most free throw attempts a game. Uh, Harden is the king of the free throw attempt. Joel is the best, or one of the best was Jokic, best big men accumulator of fouls and also then making them. Yeah. Um, and the, my whole thing is like, I wish the Nets had Zaza Pachulia on the bench to do the whole six fouls to stick his foot under Embiid when Embiid jumps in the air. Yeah. You know, we could really use Giannis for trying to injure someone or Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Thanasis would be perfect. I, I would be down for the Nets to get the Nets, even though I hate the Nasus. He's awful. The passion of, but yeah, it, for just to roll Nepo, him out and Nepo piss people baby, off. Yeah. The biggest Nepo baby in the world. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. Um, the Nepo brother, if you will. Uh, the Nepo bro. Uh, so, <laughs> Perfect. Landed it. <laughs> thank you. Finally, after it was a bumpy ride. <laughs> you got it there, was a, that was a flight into Worth Cleveland. It. Worth it was ride. a bumpy ride over Lake Erie. <laughs> but I got there. Um the so yeah just surviving just surviving not even thriving nice just getting there making it tough i just need a moment where joel and b does the thing where like he's putting his hands on his knees he's bending over he's like really breathing hard yeah if we can get that out of him fantastic and if you can disrupt some some of Embiid, then we're doing nick clax is doing his job you know and like clax is like a top you know, five defensive center in the NBA, but Embiid would do this to anyone. There's no no one no one but like Jokic. Mm. Jokic isn't a great defender, but just the size. Brook can obviously do this. Clax is different. Yeah, um, yeah and I appreciate him and I love him. Yeah. Next up, that's cheer boy. We have Ed Carson. It's Ed Carson. Says, hey guys, what do you think Ben Simmons will be wearing on the bench for game one? In all seriousness, which of the fringe rotation players, Cam, uh, Cam T, Yuta, Edmund, Dayron, do you think will get the most minutes in the series? Who do you think should get the most minutes? Thanks. So I think um, it's a good question. Um, I think the two vectors of attack, and I think you hit on them well, was the um, potential for transition offense, which I think Edmund Sumner is uh, maybe a potential attack vector for. And then also just out of necessity, Dayron is probably going to get more minutes than anybody's super comfortable with. Um, I would love to see Yuta, but but uh, we, it's, you know, Yuta, unfortunately with Cam Johnson, you could you could feel that there's a lot of overlap there in the skill set. And Cam's a, a young, vibrant man who's getting, he's apt to get a lot of minutes uh, in the series. So though I do love Yuta and Cam is at to your point, the sort of weapon you roll out uh, when all else fails um, just for the memes, but that's, I don't know. Do you have a different take than that? Yeah. They're going to roll Cam Thomas out like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, he will yeah, be yeah, in a straight jacket, just staring out and rolled out there. Yeah. It'll be three Oh, and it'll be like, just, just do it. just yeah. just take 30 shots in a playoff just game eat someone's face um i so you does interest i mean it's dayron's the answer who's going to get the most minutes and he also is the guy who should get the most minutes just because of necessity 
Yuta's interesting just because we're talking about like who can who could contribute six fouls on Embiid and make it annoying. Yuta could do that for seven minutes in a game. Not that he would be guarding Embiid, but he can be a guy who, yeah, coll- be like, hey Yuta, when you're in the game, the second Embiid touches the ball, you're collapsing down on Embiid. You're making it things very yeah. annoying for him in the in that moment. And he's good at that. And and he can then disappear. Um, and he has activity. Yuta is also a good transition player. So the again, the whole attack point for the Sixers is you need to attack. That you need to get the rebound and then push because the Sixers aren't going to get back on D because Harden's lazy and Embiid's usually probably right by the ball, right by the post, getting trying to get the rebound so you can attack them quickly. Um, so Yuta could be there as an element. I know people want to see Cam Thomas. If we're seeing Cam Thomas, he's going to do something spectacular, but something's going wrong in the series. Yeah, it's yeah. a good they, way to put it. Jock Vaughn does not want to play Cam Thomas. No, if he doesn't have to. Yeah. Next up. Uh, qu- oh, quick, quick break. Qu- yeah, yeah. Quick break. Coming back next up after that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back, Brian. Oh, next up, cheer boy. That's Brett Lubansky. Brett puts his LinkedIn and cell phone number okay. in his email signature. Should we, should we tell people what it is? <laughs> it's not. Um, let's save Lubansky from that. He says, hello, glue boys. Okay, he's a little, little broing us a little bit. That's okay. Um, why, while I know we've got... The good vibes going for us. I fully expect the Nets to flash in a lot of these games. 
but give them up in the end, given our struggles to close. What do you think the Nets can do to improve on our closing offense and avoid it getting stuck in Spencer's hand for the step back prayer that everyone sees coming and no one fears? Well, well said. Also, how long do the Luca to the Nets rumors begin? Lastly, they have begun. Lastly, they have begun, Brett. Well, lastly, thanks for keeping it late this season. Don't know how most of us would have gone through this disaster of an era without your much needed comic relief. That's sweet, Brett. Thank you very much. Um, so it's a three parter. Spencer, and Brett's number is nine one seven. That's not true. It doesn't even start that way. Um, oh no, sorry, two parter. Um, yeah, so what can so we do to improve? I love our both closing? of these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, a huge problem. This is the biggest problem besides guarding Embiid. Is that as much as we love Bridges, we love him. You know, uh, the Nets are very much still figuring out how to close games. It's a classic problem when you don't have Kevin Durant on your team. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, think Spencer's going to have a very nice series because Harden and Maxi suck yeah. at defense. And Spencer really rises to the occasion for stuff. I mean, the the amount of, um, you know, underdog energy going into the series, it, it can't be can't be overstated. Very good point. Which Spencer seems to really thrive off of. And I think it will look very nicely if Spencer hits a game-winning shot and Kyrie is at home on Twitch, you know, talking about whatever he's going to be the talking about. New World about. Order, yeah. Um, um, also, so Spencer's I, interesting, too, because Spencer is a really good, like, end of game. Like, he hits game winners, but to Britt's point, there is a little bit of dicey decision-making just just leading up to that to that finale, the grand finale. <laughs> There's something... I did ask Spencer about the step back specifically. Yeah. Because, I, yeah, I, I, I respect the need to have a step back in your game, but I also would like it to be minimized. Yeah. But he's going to hit a st- like so I think this will be a very nice series for Spencer. The ball probably will be in his hands. PJ Tucker is going to be on bridges. How much you are afraid of that? Uh I'm not afraid of it, but it is an annoying thing to see. Yeah. Um the way that PJ Tucker plays. I actually think it's a good matchup for Bridges, weirdly, for P.J. Tucker, just because Bridges is a little bit more off the ball mobile than a lot of the like sort of ISO scorers that P.J. you know gets in their faces with. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's just like a better, f- not that like it's a bad fit because like KD was just shooting over the top of him, but they would get like go back and forth and have have their moments of frustration with P.J. Tucker. Um, <clears throat> I just feel like I don't know. Having watched P.J. last year or two, it feels like his wheels are a little bit. It's a lot of a lot of miles on those wheels, and it's sure. a little bit harder to keep up. So, anyways, as far as that goes, I feel like it's a decent matchup. I, the positive that, and you've brought this up a lot with the egalitarian type offense that the Nets Jeez. now have. When you say it like that, I feel now, now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you should be. Yeah. Uh, that the one benefit to the Nets end of game scenario is so one Nick Claxton won't be on the floor. Uh, like, let's say this is crunch time because he's going to get fouled, though his foul shooting and like each month over the past three months, it has improved by five to 10%. Mm-hmm. He's up to 62% in terms of per the month, I think, or the past 20 games or something. Significant. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting there, but he won't be on the floor. And the good thing that the Nets will have is that they will have a lineup of three to all three point shooting. If you consider Dorian Finney Smith, a three point shooter. Um, I have a really nice stat in my pod with Alex Schiffer um, about how important Dorian Finney-Smith's three-point shooting is to the Nets team, the current Nets team. You'll have to listen for that on Friday. It's a little tease mm-hmm. for you. But the Nets will be able to trot out a closing lineup of all shooters and still have ball handling and still have length 
and all that stuff besides no real center. And so they will be able to play five out offense in the closing minutes. So what I really don't want to see is the Spencer dribbling the ball for 18 seconds and then putting up a shot. What I do want to see is driving, cutting, trying to get people open. And again, they can put out Seth Curry and Joe Harris and Royce O'Neal and Cam Johnson and Cal Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, all shooters. So they have that ability. That will be their superpower in the closing minutes, whether it you know translates to dubs, who knows? Lastly, can we get to the Luca thing real quick? Can well, I just do actually, it? let me. Yeah, I'll just bridge off of that quickly. You know, it's surprised I didn't see and haven't seen in the inbox yet. It might be there, but uh, you know, well, I haven't reviewed it quite yet. Um, is the Joe Harris sucks in the playoff memes? That's that's um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, a <clears throat> those tiki tortures have given up. That's on that, a this is know? a particularly good playoff series for Joe Harris to put up a lot of shots um, and maybe reclaim some of his Joe Harris trade value. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> maybe some reclaim <clears throat> a little bit of that narrative. Um, in, in the interim, just a thought, just a, just a, if Joe, if you're listening, you know, put up your shots this, this series. Just, yeah, Joe, make them. Yeah, like, but, does, but, is that, but actually make them is, is the When key. Jock texts each of them a little motivation, he just says to Joe, like, hey, dude, just make your shots. Yeah, make those go in. Hey, make your shots. Take the shots, make uh, sure they go in. Go, Luca. Go ahead. Quickly, this is larger point than just Luca. Okay, so the Luca connection for anyone who doesn't know, our boy Igor, who I saw at a food hall getting dumplings. With his I, family. I, I still don't believe this is true. I, I think it's a guy that looked like Igor, potentially. It was 100% <laughs> Igor. Okay. And he, I was about like three people behind him, and he did look at me like he recognized me. I mean, I'm, a, you know, I'm kind of a big deal, so I'm sure he did recognize me. I'm sure. Anyways, um, impressive, impressive guy in person. Great head of hair, oh. tan. Okay. Nice tennis body. Hmm. You know, not, what's you know, a, what's, not, a, what's the... Attributes of a tennis body, yeah. It's not a a ripply muscle. It's a smooth sort of muscular body. So no tone. He's Um, not a toned. Not toned, but like solid. Solid and- Strong, but not toned. Strong, but not toned, right? Nice. Not those those fake muscles. Real athletic body. So Roger Fitter is what we're, we're looking at. Exactly. Okay. Who's a tennis player? A tennis. Yeah. That's one of the- That's a a tennis tennis player whose name I know. But different from- (laughs) Novak Djokovic. You should just name tennis players. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Solomon person. Of course, he coached Le- Luca in Slovenia or whatever. Uh, the This is a sub thing. I said this on Twitter and people got mad at me. Rudy Gobert punching his teammate. Add him to the list of guys that Ben Simmons could maybe be traded for. Mm. Ben Simmons won't be traded for Luca. Okay. okay. I don't think that. But. Rudy Gobert's contract runs a year longer than Ben Simmons. He is seemingly already reviled in Minnesota. Mm. That trade is one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA already. Uh, Walker Kessler, the rookie that the Timberwolves gave up, is already a way more valuable player to have than Rudy Gobert. Um, the We are recording this on Wednesday morning. The Timberwolves lost their playing game to the Lakers last night. In overtime. They will... In overtime, in a game where Cat had five fouls with eight minutes left, and they could have used a guy like Rudy Gobert to play in that game, mm-hmm. and he did not because he punched someone in the face during a game mm-hmm. who was his teammate. It was more like in the chest, let's be honest. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Which is hard. The guy's seven foot three. How could you not, you know, you should be able to connect. He, to he, the face. he overshot it. He was like, I got to punch so far down, and then 
<clears throat> Oops, too far down. So I know this is an off-season thing. I'm just saying we say that Ben Simmons is untradeable, but there will continue to be disgruntled big men, disgobared big men who, you know, hey, we'll take your chemical waste and we'll give you our chemical waste. And so that's how I view that situation. Next up, cheer boy, Julian Singer. Wow, he has a hell of a signature at the end. Yeah. Which I, but don't, it's one of those don't ones even, that. Don't even touch it, Mike. Yeah, because I'm about to. Don't, you know, yeah. don't you dare. Um, yeah. Says, love the show. Question is less playoff related than it is future rotation related. FYI, I think we lose in five to Philly round one. Okay. Good. Set the table. Um, my concern with Cam Thomas has always been that he can't get his offense in the normal flow of the offense. And unfortunately, that still seems to be his bugaboo. That said, he's just way too talented offensively to not be in the rotation next season. I think he gets traded this summer, in brackets. Assuming I am wrong <clears throat> and he is back next season, can Vaughn get out of his own way and find 20 minutes per game for Cam? It should be an edict for management to get this kid in the rotation. Scoring is a major need, and Cam has it oozing out of him. Unleash this kid. Um, okay, Mike. So some hot takes. So guys who's buying Cam stock in massive quantities. Um, I don't know. This is this is a tricky one because like this goes back into um, the shiny, the shininess of good offense or of, of offense that on its face appears good. And this is interesting not to dredge up this whole thing, but like, you know, talking about the Kyrie Irving, uh, imploding of the Mavs. There was a, it was interesting to see it from like a pretty mainstream, like it was like CBS, you know, sports or something like this had an article about like, why is it that Kyrie, despite having great numbers on super efficient shooting, like it just doesn't materialize into, into winning basketball more often than not. Um, and it doesn't really have a good conclusion because, like, it just it just is kind of it, it befuddles the mind, Mike. It's it's <laughs> nobody can figure this out. <laughs> befuddles um, the mind. Camp Thomas is similar but less befuddling, right? It's like less efficient, um, more. It, it's just he has yeah. to operate as just the only lone operator, uh, or else he just can't be integrated in the offense. There's like it's either forty points or zero points with him, and then it's it's a really interesting. Um, dynamic i guess to have as a player um how to integrate that in the offense is like is it a, is it a jacques vaughn problem to solve yeah probably but um there's gonna be two willing gotta, gotta have two to tango like two willing participants in that and i don't know where cam thomas like it, it, it I, it's interesting that it seems like it flips switches in his head and it's like it's the cam it's cam time and <laughs> and and then from there on he's not doing anything but searching for his own shot how do you get that in fits and starts, um, or is it just a on or off switch? That's a whole game. Um, you know, I don't know. That's that's a it's a it's a perplexing question. But it seems like without an answer to it, it's just not going to be camp time. Like it just can't be. I think they need to trade him this off season. Yeah, they just see. I mean, it is obvious under multiple coaches. He no one's ever wanted to give him playing time. Um, Again, we talked about Jacques Vaughn like feels pretty comfortable with saying, Cool, you scored 40 points, but we didn't win the game. So how can you do how can you score points but actually win the game too? Yeah. Um you and I are the with the worst people in the world to ask in a positive sense for the future at Cam Thomas. Because we've been, I think like almost literally since 
his first yes, summer league, league, we were like, We've had this, this, take. Is, yeah. this is both exciting but terrifying because there's nothing pot, like, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work in, in, because what he does is so solo mercenary assassin. Yeah. That it, it is, it's, um, Whoever whoever it, it doesn't just, win the Wembenyama sweepstakes should be like yes. super duper looking for for Camp Thomas um, stint because that would be that's the fit for you. And you know, I it would be great if because there's something there. There'll always be something there. I do still see more. Like, what's more of a headline? Camp Thomas wins Sixth Man of the Year, or that he's scoring fifty points in China in three years, right? Like love Cam- Like I want all the best things for Cam Thomas. I just think it's in his makeup. The way he plays is tough to fit within a team because if you're his teammate, you assume that when he touches the ball, that he's just going to shoot it. And then you don't, you're not a productive person yeah. because you're playing against or with that guy. Do we have anything else? Do we have one more? Let's one? just do one more. It? It's a little bit of an off-season one, but it's from Cheerboy Caleb. Can, can I, Caleb, it's from Caleb. This is Measley, I want to say. I couldn't add the same. There's a K and an N, and I couldn't figure it out. Um, he says, hello, Mike and Brian. Uh, hey. Do you guys, I hope you guys both had a good Easter. Mike, did you have a good Easter? I had a fantastic Easter. I have I weird side. Um, a, hell, a hell of an Easter. Me and my dad stayed up, had a couple of bevies, and watched The Last Temptation of Christ <laughs> the, the night before Easter. <laughs> stayed up the- late and uh, watched Martin Scorsese's 1988 fever dream of a retelling of the, the Gospels. So um, that was weird. Is that good? It it's not good. It's it's worth doing, I would say, in that in that I had a, a great time in that particular environment. Um, but it's not, it's, it's basically like, it's somewhat incomprehensible. So it's pretty weird, but okay. more on that later on that. That's for the VIP show. Um, <clears throat> it says, I've been hearing a lot of rumors of people like Trey young and Dame Dalla asking for a trade this off season. Do you guys think this would even benefit the nets in trading for a star like this? The nets obviously have the parts needed to trade for a star. Would you guys want to make the trade for either of these guys? Or do we go for more draft prospects and other young guys to surround Mikel and Clax? Go Nets. So, Mike, this is a little bit, you know, we, we tried to make this playoffs-centric podcast. I could feel that. We didn't talk about that in the pre-production meeting, but that was just an, a known thing going into this. Um, however, wanted to splash in a little bit of off-season riffraff. Um, why do the Nets trade for Trey Young or Dame Dalla or not? Um, so Dame is not coming to Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because, because, you know, the next move that he makes is going to be to a team aligned with like a LeBron type where it's, it's obvious and clear that they are championship contenders. Trey is the grunty of all disgruntled. Uh, it seems that he is, no one is happy playing with Trey Young, though he is such an electric. I mean, they already they beat the Heat. A couple of guys to keep an eye on. Obviously, Luca. We we've talked about Luca. Colonel Thee Towns. Yeah, we talked about Rudy Gobert, but if they could knock down the playoffs, how much longer can Cat really just continue to want to be there? But I put him in the Trey Young class where no one like hates Cat because but he's just he's not a a leader of men. Yeah. So that's where people kind of disregard. I think also if you're him I would think he's more likely to go to the Knicks than the Nets. Um 
Yeah. The the Knicks are in a better place. Y- right you're now. getting into the details though of each individual player. Let's talk grand strategy from the Nets. Are we in a place cool. right now where we actually want to be onboarding star energy? Or are we protecting the vibe for the foreseeable future? I think you protect the vibe for this upcoming season. You do the whole thing of like we need to give you're going to re-sign Cam Johnson for $20 million a year. You make some move where you move Joe Harris or Royce O'Neal, you know, you pack package them up. Maybe you add you have the two first round picks that are back to back. Maybe you combine one of those picks with Joe or Royce for a future first round pick or a player, you know, something a little bit better and, and clear up some cap space it that way. Um and you make yourself very flexible and you part of this thing is you have to see what Ben Simmons is. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you just have to, you, you're not banking on him. You're not doing everything that we've talked about before, but you have to at, just see like, okay, is this completely dead with him or is there glimmers of hope? Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, you, you put a pause button on star hunting unless if it is literally Carlothy town saying, I want to play in Brooklyn. And then you say, all right, well, let's see how we can make that work. Um, I would not want to, I would rather put a pause on it. Here's the big advantage the Nets have. And I I don't want to talk about Ben Simmons, but I haven't looked this up officially yet, but I would say Bridges is playing the best of any player that is not on a max contract or a rookie contract. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I think Jalen Brown is technically not a max contract, so maybe I have to disregard that. But like he is one of one of the few players who's not on a max deal or a rookie deal who is playing as well as he is. Yeah. The advantage of that is that the Nets have such a discount on a guy playing at that level that if they if Ben Simmons comes back and does something and you can trade him or whatever, they will have a lot of flexibility because of Bridges' contract. Mm-hmm. A lot of flexibility. So that's hey. Hey. Yes. But no star hunting. Yeah. I think also we have to build some equity back into the the culture stuff. I think like management feels like they've survived a pretty hectic um, era. And I think for their own sake, it'd be to apply the same kind of stressors of the expectations of onboarding stars um, feels slightly premature and might be counterintuitive for them professionally. Does that make sense? And and to talk, ranking the priorities, you want to set yourself up for the Lucas sweepstakes, he is going to be the biggest. If he comes onto the market next year as wanting to get traded, he is the most significant player to ever get traded ever mm. more significant than what KD just got traded for. KD is one of the greatest players to ever get traded mid season. Luca. I mean, I guess you'd say like Wilt was traded and Kareem. <laughs> okay. I think Kareem left as a free agent. No, maybe Kareem was traded, but like modern mm-hmm. NBA, LeBron was never traded. MJ was never traded. Jokic wasn't. Embiid wasn't. Like, Luka is, is it, right? And so the Nets should bump up Igor's salary as much as they need to to maintain that connection. Mm. Keep Igor in the in the house. Give him a new title. Make him feel – give him a, a penthouse. Yeah. In, in You know, Joe Sy has a penthouse in that new skyscraper on Central Park South that's like the skinniest skyscraper in the world. Okay. Just give Igor that penthouse. Yeah. Uh, there's no CBA restriction against that, frankly. Okay. Um, do that. Keep, and we know that one of Luca's favorite people in the world is Dorian Finney-Smith. 
keep Dorian Finney-Smith happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you just, you just keep hold your chips for the Luca thing. Don't go for Trey Young. Yeah, no, because Trey Young ain't Luca. No, true. So just so Luca twenty twenty five. Brooklyn. Yeah, keep your eye on the prize. Build that culture equity so that it makes it a nice, comfy landing where's place. That, where's that Slovenian enclave? That's in Queens, baby. Like all the enclaves. Like all the ethnic enclaves. Let's get and there. And then we can have an enclave night. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, I think we did it. I think that's we, – we left a couple out Wait, there. Wait, what's your, what's your prediction? Um, I'm going – you know, if I want to be <laughs> super-duper, like, betting man, I, I do think it's the gentleman's sweep. I think we steal one game. Um, yeah. and I think it'd be like game three that we steal potentially. Um, although actually maybe it's game one. Cause usually it feels like it's like you can sneak one in early before everyone super understands what the play is. Um, either way, I think it's, I think it's going to be a five game series. Like I hate to say it. My prediction will come in my pod with Alex Schoenberg <laughs> on Friday. So everyone wait for that. What the hell? <laughs> um, all righty. Well, we'll wait with bated breath. Like, uh, get us out of here. Where can they find us? Find us on Twitter at PKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall at theathletic.com slash glueguys, a subsidiary of the New York Times. Discord.gg slash glueguys also, and we'll be streaming the game on Saturday. So, you know, if you're not in the Discord, you don't know what that means, but, you know, you got to do the one thing to find out the next. Anyways, we're out of here. Thanks, everybody. Say bye, Mike. Bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.